Here we go. Roll video. I think anybody creating something new must have an adventure. It's not cinema, it's something else. My advice to a young filmmaker is to make a movie every week. The whole bag of movies can be learned in about a day and a half. But suspense is essentially an emotional process. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make films, you gotta make it and get a scene. Cinema for me is a world of when I dream. Welcome to Behind the Slate. I am your host, Aaron Strand, and my guest today is Sucharita Tiagi. Sucharita is a renowned film critic, radio DJ, and content creator. She got her start in a New Delhi radio station at the age of 19 and soon relocated to Mumbai, where she hosted shows focusing on independent and popular music. In 2015, she started working for the Indian film publication Film Companion, where her wildly popular video review series, Not a Movie Review, gained acclaim and criticism for her critique of films with misogynistic and nationalistic themes. Now, in 2020, she launched her own YouTube channel in which she reviews Indian and American films, goes behind the scenes of major film festivals, and interviews filmmakers from all backgrounds, from Joyland's Saim Sadiq to Oppenheimer's Christopher Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored to have on the show Sucharita Tiagi. Sucharita, how are you doing today? I'm great, Aaron. It's so nice to hear that kind of like all scrunched together. This and this and this. Life's good. I mean, what do I have to complain about? Everything's going great. I mean, you're crushing. You're basically crushing it. It's like I could have just summed it up of like, so Charita Diagi is a badass and she's crushing it. (laughs) I can't complain, dude. I'm having fun. I'm having a good time right now exploring things here in the United States of America for the first time professionally. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I want to get to that sort of like later on in the interview about sort of like where you're at right now. But I want to start off with just how we met because we met a few months ago at the New York Indian Film Festival. And you were moderating a talk back for uh, a shorts block uh, during which my short film, the name was shown. And it was honestly like it was one of the best talk backs I've ever taken part of. I mean, you you had so clearly paid attention to all the films you you had reflected and like, you know, you, you, you had just so it was just so thoughtful you know and just so like you were just so present um which like a lot of times for talk back set like for short films at film festivals it's kind of like the moderators clearly just like they haven't like they barely watch the movies they're just trying to get through it as fast as possible um and ever since you made that such strong impression i've just been a huge fan of yours that's very kind of you Aaron. i actually uh, volunteered for that uh, particular talk back q a session with uh, the organizers of the new york indian film festival because they sent uh, i went to the website and i saw everything that was um scheduled for the festival and i really like the short film format it is uh you know like your film was like what seven minutes or yeah. seven and a half minutes and then you can go up to 30 minutes 40 minutes it's such a dynamic format to be able to take one thought and it gives, and you know, kind of expand on it. It gives us such beautiful insight into the filmmaker who's telling the story. Um, and I saw the lineup and um, an Indian filmmaker, Shweta Basu Prasad's film was on it. And Danny Pudi's film was on it, who I have been such a huge fan of since, ever since discovering Community. And I asked them, listen, is Daniel Pudi attending? And they said, probably we're not sure yet. So I was like, please send me all these movies. I want to watch all these films and please allow me to do the Q&A. And then Danny Pudi did attend and he's just as great as I thought he would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, he's great. Uh, yeah, it was so cool that uh, that both of them were there. Um, now, so you're coming, uh, so you're coming to the states, and, and from this background of Indian film, and like even for me as an American film lover whose in laws are Indian oh. and like really oh. keep up with Indian film and television. It's still like Indian cinema for me is like a bit of a mystery. I mean, it's this huge film producer that's creating entertainment in like multiple languages and it runs parallel with Hollywood, but there's this like limited cross pollination. So, my first question is for an American audience with limited exposure, how would you describe the Indian film industry? It's very, like you said, vast. There's languages that are all over the country and no you know some languages are similar to each other and some languages are completely different from each other some cultures in adjacent states might be similar but cultures from the north to the south and east to the west they're very like uh, like you would you're in different countries what I specifically focus on because that I've grown up in a Hindi speaking family and in the Hindi speaking part of the world is what you might quote unquote be called Bollywood, even though that term itself is not, you know, it's too vast. It's not really an accurate term to ex express what Hindi cinema is all about. So I primarily focus on Hindi cinema, but then there's also when you go further south of Maharashtra, the state where Mumbai is, where the Hindi cinema hub is, you go south of Maharashtra, you have Kannada cinema, you have Tamil cinema, Telugu cinema, Malayalam cinema, uh, different languages, different filmmakers, different different aesthetics, different histories. And then you go, um, you know, further up, you go towards the east side of the country, you have Bengali cinema, which is uh, where Satyajit Ray was from, you know, and, you know, Satyajit Ray, as everybody knows, his movies traveled the world before any of that international cinema concept even existed, right? Um, he's won an Oscar. Filmmakers like Wes Anderson clearly are still very much inspired by Satyajit Ray's work. You know, you see it in movies like even the latest Wes Anderson film uh, Asteroid City then you if you go further up north of the country there's Punjabi cinema there's cinema from Jammu and Kashmir which is a completely different side of the country with completely different stories from people who've lived there seen the strife there the conflict um, so to fully understand Indian cinema you need a committee of 20 people talking to you about different languages and different stories because it is just not possible for one person to have that kind of knowledge and information primarily because the cultures are so different the languages are so different we may watch you know subtitles have made things so easy streaming platforms everything is available you can watch new movies in big cities where i live in mumbai latest releases are in theater so it's very accessible but the actual contextual information and understanding of a Tamil film will actually really come from somebody who's grown up in that part of the country, in the southern part of the country. Um, so yeah, to fully understand what Indian cinema is, you need to talk to many, many people, read many, many books. It's very diverse. It's very deep. And it's just beautiful. It's amazing. I'm so proud. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's that's a, an incredible description, and I love the like because I've only I've only been to the subcontinent uh, once before my wife and I got married, and the ferocity of that description of just the cinema side would definitely reflected my experience of like walking into New Delhi for the first time. You know what I mean? That's right. Like, that's right. It was like, oh my god. <laughs> This, there is a lot happening here, um, uh, which is which is really exciting. Um, so maybe just focusing on the Hindi portion, like your specific, like your your primary focus. What is some? What do you think is exceptional 
about the Hindi film industry? Like, what does it do well? Um, it is one of the oldest industries, uh, cinematic industries in the country, in that before uh, cinema became a thing, before theaters were a reality, big screen projections were a reality, there was a lot of uh, live plays and theaters that ha- theater plays that happened in Mumbai. There was a lot of Parsi theater, a lot of people, you know, stage acting, play acting, which kind of eventually mixed with a lot of um, other, you know, social reasons and economical reasons may- gave way to the first uh, sort of film industry to be established in Mumbai, if I'm getting my historical facts here correct. So it's, it goes way, way back. And in that way, our stories are so rich. Our stories are so deep because, um, India is also, uh, uh, you know, in the Hindi uh, part of the country is also like there's a lot of, a lot of stories of families. There's a lot of stories of family history of where you come from. And India as a country is has only been independent for a little over 70 years. It's not even been 100 years of our independence. So this country has seen a lot of evolution in a very short amount of time. Um, you know, in the, as the world has progressed with technology, with, um, you know, all sorts of like, you know, science things and uh, in, uh, communications, India has progressed along with the rest of the world, but we've had to run at a faster speed to like catch up what America had 200 years to do. We've had a little over 70 years to catch up. So the country has seen a lot of evolution really fast, um, industrial revolution and agricultural revolution and our, you know, our own stories of independence, then, um, you know, various governments with various agendas and uh, wars. There have been many wars after India gained independence in the late 40s as well. The separation of not just India and Pakistan, but the separation of India and uh, Pakistan and uh, Bangladesh becoming a separate country. That's also that's a whole other side of history. Um, so our stories are very, um, you know, rich because there's so much to pick up from. A lot has happened in the country um, and specifically in, in, the, in, in uh, Mumbai because the film industry is older here it's more well established here there's been more money here to spend on cinema on making these big big films um and hence like you'll see the you know with the exception of now filmmakers like ss rajamoli who's made rrr which is arguably the biggest film of the country and not just in the in the manner that it's traveled the whole world but in the money that's gone into making the film and before that he the money he put into making Bali. but with the exception of filmmakers like rajamoli we've got the biggest kind of um well, you know, that's, that's you know, in, in the last couple of years, there have been films starring Rajnikanth, etc. that have had big budgets going into the film, but a lot of money is in the Hindi-speaking film industry. So the films here are bigger, grander, um, you know, more international locations. And, you, um, but, you know, honestly, like, as, as much as our cultures differ from various languages our cultures are also very similar in terms of like once you like you'll you'll find a lot of stories of the history of the country uh like various languages will have stories about independence but told from a different lens because the people who are making movies in west bengal will have a completely different uh, side of the story to tell versus people who are in jammu kashmir will have a different side of the story of the same story to tell um so yeah, I know it's a very roundabout way of like answering a very simple question. No, no, I think no, that's 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 excellent. I, I'm curious on the other side, what do you think are some of the inherent problems of the Hindi film industry from your perspective? Um, I think right now we are in a place where we're struggling with 
streaming versus theatrical releases a lot and that's not just a uniquely indian problem i think that's a global conversation and a global debate uh, happening very much so in fact is when i visit the united states and i'm i'm talking with my members of my family extended family here they're they're telling me that people don't go to movie theaters anymore which is just so depressing um unless it's a film like oppenheimer or barbie when you book tickets in advance but in india i think also we're at a place where we are figuring out the merits of both the forms of um uh display of uh, of broadcasting your your film um what kind of film would make what kind of money i think you know we're still grappling with that um um but i don't know you know a, a lot of things are being resolved like until recently um writers not getting enough credit for the work that they put into movies was a big problem but that's also changing with more and more writers coming forward with uh, more and more directors coming forward with crediting their writers in a big, bigger major more major way um more and more female filmmakers getting opportunities to um tell their stories um that was not like happening 10 years or 12 years ago if you were a female filmmaker you were pretty much the only one in your immediate circle of people now there's more yeah i mean it's it's got the same kind of i, I think as of right now also we're seeing more interference from interference or kind of um you know i don't know even know what to call it from uh you're seeing like government officials getting involved in um how movies are being promoted um there's a lot of more vocal agitation in response to certain things in certain films which as a film critic is uh, bothersome to see is that a pressure that filmmakers are going to buckle under to only talk about certain things and not talk about certain things um it's an evolving kind of change that we're observing right now you know let's see where it goes just from you you personally what are some of the hindi films that you would recommend to an american viewer that is interested in exploring this world of cinema you know it's really funny you ask me this right now because last week uh, there's a massive hindi film released called rocky or rani ki prem kahani the love story of rocky and rani um and it is a beautiful big colorful celebration of love and family and values and things done in a very classic quote unquote bollywood fashion lots of song and dance but good storytelling and a good message that the film is kind of talking about and a good concern that a filmmaker has that he karan johar is trying to explore through this film along with his writers um and i watched it in a movie theater in pennsylvania and i was the only one and it broke my heart admittedly i watched it friday morning like 10 am so not a lot of people are <laughs> probably going yeah. to the movie theaters on a friday morning at 10 am but i hope that there's more awareness of movies like this that you want to learn about india go and watch okay fine i understand rocky and rani ki prem kahani is a big film that might still reach people because it's so big they're marketing it so this thing and the movie stars are very huge ranveer singh and alia bhat are two of the biggest movie stars of the country and they're in this film but then yeah. um there's so many other films that also are going to film festivals 
and are coming to the United States of America. There were movies at the New York Indian Film Festival. There's, there's also moving, this is not technically America, but there's lots of Hindi films, not just Hindi films, Indian films at Toronto this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, slowly as the festival lineup is being uh, announced, there is a f- Hindi film called Kill that is going to Toronto Film Festival. There's a Punjabi film I'm uh, starring Diljit Dasanjay, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think there's also a Hin- an Indian documentary that's going. So movies are not every film and every production house has the budget of an SS Rajamali promoting RRR all over the world because that takes a lot of money and a lot of people and concerted effort. So my thing is that if you if there are people who see an Indian film playing at a movie theater near you or at a festival near you, um, you know, there's museums in Washington, D.C. recently. That's where they showed Joyland. And I went and I spoke with the audience there in kind of a movie club format. We just had a discussion about the film. So if you find that kind of thing happening, explore, check it out. Think of it as going to a museum, as as uh, doing something to enhance your knowledge this weekend. I want to learn more about the world. And what is a better way to do that than to go watch movies from a different side of the world? Absolutely. I, I could I could not agree with that more. And I think that's the thing that I cherish about uh, particularly world cinema, but also American cinema more than anything. I mean, it movies can give you a sense of place and time yeah. in a way that um, other mediums just can't. I went to India before I uh, my wife and I like created this sort of like Hindu fusion wedding ceremony that we did like watching the films of Satyajit Ray that weren't even in the the correct place of India, right? Like Satya, uh, Satyajit Ray's Bengali, like just even that slightest cultural awareness, like allowed me to feel more comfortable, like on that trip and like gave me some sense of like location. And I, that is a gift uh, that is so incredible that cinema can give us. Um, and I think to, you know, to your point about these films playing in theaters, I know that here in Atlanta, like on the north side of town, the films follow the diaspora. And like, I know that even just in our local independent cinema scene, we're starting to see like the crossover and the trickle down. And I think even things like RRR have interested people um, more in what uh, Hindi cinema has to offer. So that's, that's very exciting. Um, and yeah. I want to talk about, I want to talk about RR more a little bit later, but it is very cool to see that that shift. Yeah. Also, if people want recommendations of more Indian things to watch, please follow my Instagram. I talk about movies there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> if I recommend something on my Instagram, please watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sucharita's Instagram is amazing. Uh, so yes, please check that out. Now, um, I'm curious, like, uh, so you're a film critic. Film yeah. criticism as an art form in and of itself. What, what made you want to pursue this as a career? Um, I was doing uh, radio shows until 2015. And I did that for most part of my career because I started really early. I started doing full-time radio show hosting at the age of 19. And then it just one thing led to another from Delhi. I moved to Mumbai. And in 2015, YouTube in India was really like peaking it was doing very very well we had a lot of comedy collectives who were making sketch videos for youtube and i think around 2012 it had begun to like really kind of come into focus as an alternative career option but by 2015 it made sense to actually step a foot in and see if that is something that can uh, satisfy me professionally and creatively so i started um kind of freelancing with uh, the film 
journalism platform, Film Companion, that is headed by one of the most popular film critics in India, Anupama Chopra. She is the founder and CEO and editor. I saw, and I always wanted to do things on video because after radio, I felt like I wanted to try a different format. I did radio for a very, very long time. It just made sense to try to do that. And it took off. We started doing one review a week, uh, perhaps one review every two weeks, even back in 2015. And there seemed to be an audience that was engaging with my reviews very actively. There was also a huge part of the audience that did not want, um, you know, 27 year old on their YouTube screens talking to them about uh, feminism and sexism in Hindi cinema. So there was a lot of backlash, a lot of like, get off my phone. You're literally getting this for free. Don't watch it. Uh, but it's, it, <laughs> it took off because there seemed to be an appetite for it. And since then, obviously, my reviewing style and my, um, you know, kind of analytical look towards cinema has also changed and evolved over the years as I've changed and evolved as a human being. Um, but then it's just been nonstop since then. And to kind of have the ability to engage with an audience that is interested in listening to a feminist perspective on Hindi cinema, saying that, you know, this we've not seen films analyzed this way before. And I guess my style was also a lot more approachable. And, um, you know, people felt like it, this was somebody talking to them and not at them. Um, and YouTube was the perfect platform to make that happen because people were exploring YouTube on a daily basis. It was exploding in India. YouTube India was working very hard to establish, um, you know, kind of quote unquote creators. I don't like to use that term, but like creators in in the Indian YouTube space. And um, there was a time when my reviews in 2016 and 17 were trending on the top 10 Indian videos every week, week after week, week after week. And it just made sense to keep working harder at it, keep um, customizing my review for the YouTube platform. And in 2020, I started doing this on my own because, you know, in the pandemic, people suddenly had a lot of time and I I had a lot of time as well and I didn't know what to do with it because new films were not releasing so I wasn't getting commissioned to do any movie reviews Um, and I had to do something with my time so I decided to start a channel where I was talking about movies that I had missed when they released for instance uh, Marriage Story Noah Bambak I didn't watch the movie when it released because I was watching something else and reviewing something else and I decided to watch it, like Uncut Gems. Like This week, I just want to talk about Uncut Gems because I never spoke about Uncut Gems. And again, that took off as well and I started finding an audience and I have a very involved audience on my YouTube channel. People are engaging, people are talking, people are talking to each other. Um, it's been It's been great. Like I came to Washington, D.C. and I randomly just posted on my Instagram, hey, if anyone's around, do you want to meet up? And like on like a 12 hour notice, like 20 people showed up just to meet up and, you know, eat chips with me in a park. It's great. That's incredible. That's incredible. And like being a movie lover, being a cinephile can, you know, at times be this kind of like siloing experience. Mm. And I've experienced even just in a small degree compared to your audience. But through this show, I've been able to, to meet people to like expand that connection. Um, Yeah, to have the like to have these conversations or watch these conversations like play out in the con in the comments of something I post. And it's like, when when it's especially when it's a positive conversation, it's incredibly affirming, and you feel so much less alone. um, 
as opposed to like sitting in a dark theater by yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah. And isn't it incredible to know that you're developing an audience, people who are actively interested in talking to you, having a conversation with you and people you're learning from also, you're learning behaviors, you're learning how they engage and they're learning how you look at cinema and you're having dialogue in the comments every week. It can also get very bad. It can also get very toxic because it's a lot, you know, it gives you a lot of anxiety if you really allow itself, allow it to take over your entire being. There's a yeah. lot of times when I have to zoom out and look around in my life. Like this, this is my home. These are my, this is my husband. And that's the dog. I'm dog sitting right now. And then <laughs> I need that perspective a lot. Like Instagram is not my all my reality but it's incredible to have to the the feeling of developing an audience it's it's really special now um you talked about the the feminist perspective that you bring to your work which is first of all like incredible and so valuable but also has this amazing historical precedent you know i couldn't help but notice in the background of some of your reviews you have 5001 nights at the movies by pauline kale there's this long tradition of uh women critics um that you know go back to the earliest days of hollywood and you know yeah. there's of course pauline kale molly haskell in india i was reading about a woman named nikat cosmi uh, yes. and then of course there's anupama chopra who hired you at film companion so how has this tradition of female critics kind of influenced you or have you thought about it at all as you've uh, explored this career you realize it when 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 you're really into it and when you're doing it and when you get the response from people and you realize that they don't really want to listen to a female film critic and then you realize the importance of the women who came before you and what they must have had to deal that you're standing on their shoulders the the doors they opened that you walked through people like uh Anupama, people like Nikit Kazmi people like Pauline Kiel there's a film festival, one of the biggest film festivals in India, the Mumbai Film Festival Mami that is coming back this year in October. A couple of years ago, I attended um, the festival and like I do every year. And I watched the documentary on Pauline Kael, what she said, the art of Pauline Kael. And to see that film and see filmmakers like Scorsese and Tarantino come on and talk about what Pauline Kael did for them indirectly, not by consulting on their movie scripts, but by her reviews that they imbibed and then used in their work. And Scorsese is a filmmaker who's spoken about it over and over again, um, you know, even when he's uh, talking with cultural commentators, like pretend it's a city, even when he's appearing on that show, he talks about the importance of female cultural commentators on popular culture and how that informs opinions of filmmakers. He's even spoken about in the Roger Ebert documentary that is, I, I don't know if it's still on Mubi, but in that documentary, um, you know, he talks about when Ebert and Siskel trashed the, his film and how that felt and how he came back from that. Um, you realize it, how, how much harder it is for women to be opinion makers uh, on a place like the World Wide Web once you get into it and once you make this a professional endeavor. Um, Brie Larson, when she was promoting one of her Marvel movies, said in one interview or two interviews that we need more female film critics talking about movies. And it upset people so much. They went and downvoted the film on various uh, you know, rating platforms before the film had even released. It upset film people so much. There were rows upon rows of YouTube videos about how Brie Larson's the worst. And all she said was, we need more female film critics. And that really goes to show how much further we have to go, not just in India, but globally in the world. It's not like Hollywood is doing any better, um, you know, with 
having more feminist conversations around cinema. And my perspective towards cinema is still very limited. I mean, sure, it comes from the point of view of a woman, um, but it, I don't have the trans-lived experience. I don't have the Dalit-lived experience, which is uh, also very important to bring into conversations. I don't have the queer-lived experience at all. As a queer woman, what is it, what is it like to be a queer woman in, in India, talk, watching cinema, talking about cinema, contextualizing cinema? So we don't just need more female film critics. We need female film, film we need film critics from all underrepresented communities, because film criticism, the greats have told us, informs writers and directors whether they do it directly or indirectly. We are cultural commentators, saving conversations around cinema for posterity. People are going to read our reviews long after we are gone if the internet continues to function the way it functions what why we think why we know citizen kane is so great is because of everything pauline kale wrote about citizen kane she might have disagreed with the film or agreed with the makers of the uh, you know who wrote the film and who gets credit for the film but she wrote about that film and raising kane her essay on the movie will survive for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years um so we need to bring more voices, not just female voices. Yes, for sure, female voices. We need more women. We need more voices for more underrepresented communities as well. There's a quote that it, a little clip has popped up on my Instagram actually just oh. this week. I saved oh. it for this interview. Um, and you may have seen it. It's uh, from a New York Magazine art critic named Jerry Saltz. And in his this little video clip, I think he's on another podcast, and he says this. He says, quote, Right now, art is coming from everywhere, by everybody, all at the same time, from every place, about anything. Right now, everything is, is in play, and right now, criticism is temporarily suspended. By and large, criticism doesn't exist. Do you agree with this statement? It's very murky right now what constitute critis constitutes criticism and what is just again to use this term very loosely content creation uh, because content creation became a legitimate profession in the lockdown in such a big way starting in 2020 in the pandemic especially in India and I can speak to my experience living there so many people burgeoned on these platforms Instagram because TikTok was banned in India. So all the people who were making TikTok videos, millions and millions of followers and viewers all migrated to Instagram because Reels immediately launched right after that. And it became a money-making, legitimate money-making profession because brands uh, and advertisers, they saw there's an audience here. Let's put money into this. One of the more easy things to talk about, because easy, and I use the term loosely again, to talk about is movies, because everybody watches movies, everybody knows movie stars, and everybody thinks that they can talk about movies, because you go to a restaurant, and you like the food, or you don't like the food, but that doesn't make you a food critic. There's a different uh, skill set that goes into becoming a food critic, but the uh, kind of attitude towards it became that if I can go to a restaurant, and I can like or dislike a dish and I can talk about liking or disliking a dish, why can't I do the same thing with movies? I can talk about liking or disliking a film, which in and of itself, sure, there's no gatekeeping here. If you want to talk about liking or disliking a film, go ahead and talk about it. But 
film criticism is obviously, you know, I don't have to explain how it varies and how it differs from just talking about whether you like a film or not, or whether you somebody recommends a film to you, you should go watch this or don't go watch this. There's so much more to it. Um, so yes, I do agree to a certain extent that actual film criticism is on a pause right now. I am too new of a film critic kind of, you know, I've only been doing this for a little over six years or so. So I'm too new to have any understanding of how, if this has happened before and how it evolved from there. When uh, television became big, uh, you know, cinema gave way to television. Did that change cultural commentary? Now television has, has given way to internet. And on, even on the internet, we're going into more kind of TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And it's all fragmented cultural commentary is changing around all of this also right now but I do agree that film criticism genuine intellectual intelligent and helpful film criticism may be on a bit of a pause right now I say this to a lot of people that I know in the Hindi film industry and I do have the good opportunity to speak with some of the biggest movie stars here and some of the biggest filmmakers here that it's on the filmmakers I think to a certain extent to encourage film criticism also. If Martin Scorsese says Ebert and Siskel, he watched every week or he read everything, Tarantino says he read everything Pauline Kael wrote or even Orson Welles, you know, back in the day went ahead and, you know, spoke, whatever he said. But um, if you decide as a filmmaker and you're a filmmaker, you decide which criticism are you choosing to engage with are you going to legitimize the person who decides that 30 seconds or 45 seconds is enough to declare what the film is about? Or are you going to become that person who's going to look for the 2000 piece, 2000 word piece in a publication, who's going to look for the 15 minute analytical video on, uh, on, a, on a movie or on a TV show or, um, and encourage others to view that or read that as well. As a filmmaker, don't just wait for your movie reviews to come out. If you are engaging with movie reviews that are coming out that are not about you, not have anything to do with you, are not going to directly affect you, but if they bring something to you as a creative voice, share them, tell people about them, and encourage better criticism around cinema, all of us are going to benefit from it. It's not just the film critic who's going to get those views and those likes and shares if you encourage legitimate film criticism as a filmmaker who obviously has a much wider and larger reach and a much bigger power than an independent film critic or even a film critic of the publication for that matter we we've got to work together you know and encourage each other i think wow i i think that's fascinating um and that's something that had not occurred to me uh, before, but it makes but it makes total sense, and um, you know the one one of the things that I've often kind of thought about is um, the and one of the things that I've loved so much about discovering you and engaging with your content um, is uh, and even the parts that are in Hindi and that I, I can't quite understand um, is but it's it's so clear that you take on something that I associate more with the like a capital F capital C film critic, which is that you're absorbing the films like through your being and you're not there to give a score or to give a thumbs up, thumbs down. You are reflecting about how this art has entered into the, you know, the prism 
of you, of your soul, of your mind, and then reflecting that back out, which is a very, you know, uh, a, a more, uh, a, certainly a more Pauline Kale-like approach, but she's not the only one who, who does this. And I think that this is, you know, because that is such a more difficult but more thoughtful way to engage with art. We are so, like, and you know, it, it, this is happening across culture, right, where we are so desperate for um, maybe speed and also, like, quick uh, hits of meaning that now films are boiled down into a Rotten Tomatoes score or an yeah. IMDb score. And that is not the way to engage with movies. I mean, it is, yes, it, yes, you can check the Rotten Tomatoes score. That's fine. But like, if you, that's what does that tell you about how this film is resonating with people really? Uh, you're not getting the firsthand account uh, experience of, and you're not being shown how to let a piece of media, you know, bounce around inside of you and 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 change you from the inside out. Um, and that's something that you do in your work, and and something that I find immense value in. Thank you. There is you have to contextualize everything. Uh, what. RRR means to a certain part of India, it doesn't mean the same thing to a Western audience that doesn't have the context on RRR. It is a very um, you know, divisive movie. There has been opinion and very well thought out, very well researched opinion on the film that has come from Indian writers who contextualize the film in the current place where 2023 India stands and what the film is saying and talking about and drawing from that a Western audience, and it could be the biggest film critic, it could be A.O. Scott, but you just won't have that that understanding of what the film is doing in India right now. Um, and it could be anything. It could be, you know, we can all love movies, international films like Parasite, and we all loved Parasite, but you and I can't fully acknowledge or that fully fully say authentically that we understand every Parasite. We understand the film, we understand the craft, and we understand what Bong Joon-ho is saying with the film, but where it stands in the cultural conversations of the countries that these international films are traveling all over the world from, that only a film critic from that area, and specifically for a country like India, a film critic specifically, who belongs to that part of India will be able to authentically speak of. So yeah, like you said, you have to, there's many prisms a film has to go through and then come across the other side for all the various things a movie is talking about because it's not just, um, you know, it's not just one piece of writing. Every film is a hundred pieces of writing put together. Yeah. There's a, yeah. there's another aspect of film watching that I think is like not appreciated today or, or has just been sort of uh, degraded, which is that when you watch a film and you don't know how you feel about it, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, I think people take that and it's like, they just assume that that's like the film's fault or like it's a bad part of the cinema experience. Whereas you could look at it in another way, which is that I, this film made me feel something. I don't quite know what it is. And that forces you to seek out that criticism to try to answer the question of like, what is that feeling? Like, what is that? What is, what is that vibe? I, I, and you know, as a segue, I actually felt this in watching RRR uh, because a lot of it made me quite uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. And, and so reading more and then a little, you know, with my, my cursory under understanding of the sort of cultural and political uh, world of of India uh, uh, that it's coming out of, you know, this uh, the feelings of the sort of militaristic sort of 
borderline propaganda that it was promoting um, was is something that makes me feel uncomfortable about American movies that glorify the military and violent means and and real and watching that um, the the sequence of revolutionaries at the end and seeing Gandhi conspicuously missing uh, things like this uh, that I, for a lot of American audiences I think it was like oh they're dancing like this is great you know what I mean and like you kind of uh, you you don't see you don't see it in the political prism from which it's coming. Yeah. Same is true for the other side of the world, right? Any side of the world. When A.O. Scott recently announced his retirement from from criticism and he he went on to the Daily podcast, the New York Times podcast Daily, and he spoke with Michael Barbaro explaining, and another journalist, explaining why he was choosing to retire from film criticism. And I think now he's going to write about books, if I'm not mistaken. But it gave me a completely different understanding of how how superhero movies have changed the American um, kind of landscape of big cinema and everybody understands the money they bring and the money that goes into it and you know what Kevin Feige has done and like the way he's marketed these films globally India is such a big market for superhero films that I do believe that the last Avengers Infinity War or Endgame one of those two released in India I think a day before it even released in America it is such a big market for these superhero films so you you absorb it and you understand it but listening to him talk about how that has changed film writing to an extent where he doesn't even want to do it anymore eye-opening it's not a perspective that i would have had otherwise if i had not heard him talk about it so yeah you know it, it it's both ways i don't really know anything about the sort of independent side of oh. hindi cinema um how are people and I, I'm sure this is a, a vast answer and like probably like too complicated for like a quick like response. But, you know, what are some of the ways that you're seeing people work, you know, around the Hindi film system? How are people operating in the margins and telling stories, you know, that don't have to go through the approval process of some, you know, multi-layered studio? Are they are they finding success? Are they running? Uh, are they running into problems? Are they able to distribute their films? What does the independent world of Hindi cinema look like? Um, there is a debate about how good or bad sleep streaming platforms are for, you know, to be able to continue to tell authentic stories. But what I have seen in the last couple of years is that the, they've given an avenue to an independent filmmaker to be able to at least, if not have, uh, immediately reach a point where they can tell their own story, that at least they can tell a story, which has been written by, you know, writer's room and a different group of people, at least a filmmaker uh, like Ajit Pal Singh. I'll give you an example and I'll send you links to his work. He made a movie that uh, premiered at Sundance, A Fire in the Mountains. No one knew about the film in India because, again, fully independent film, very small, set in a uh, hill station up in the north of the country, small budget, small everything. But beautiful film, Fire in the Mountains. No one knew about the film, even though it traveled all the way to Sundance. And he made it to international publications. Then he got the opportunity to direct a TV series on a streaming platform and people saw that work which led people to discover his other uh, his, the film and then the film then after that got a release on the same streaming platform would that film had have reached any audience at all if the streaming platform didn't exist questionable do we because we don't anticipate people buying movie tickets for independent films people are barely buying movie tickets for mainstream commercial films because it's um you know it's an, it's an excursion it's a whole day etc etc there's money involved but the film got a theater uh, got a streaming release so i think indian filmmaker hindi indie filmmakers have um 
at least tried to make the most of the streaming boom that has happened over the last few years in India and not just on international platforms like Netflix and Amazon, which kind of pretty much operate like big studios. But there are other in, uh, platforms in, in India that are allowing this to happen. Um, there's Sony Live, Z5, Voot, etc., etc. Like, uh, you know, and... Um, you know, I wish I could speak more, with more in-depth in, information, information, providing more in-depth information on this. But um, yeah, I don't really particularly know how that scene is moving. But I do know that um, indie filmmakers are getting to tell their stories, if not their own stories, but at least someone else's story on a streaming platform and getting work. Hmm. I've been speaking about this a little bit recently. I mean, it's this huge, it's this real Faustian bargain between accessibility and scalability as far as yeah. becoming profitable on these streaming sites you know that they, they they give you this incredible access but in order to make money in the zero uh, zero cost distribution system yeah. uh you have to have incredible scale just to yeah. to turn any kind of a profit and that's where the independents are really disadvantaged and you see it play out on a on a on a system like spotify where only the top of the top are able to pr produce a living from it and everybody else is fighting for scraps. Um, yeah. and it's, it's, I think, I think something's, uh, something's got to give here, um, <laughs> in the future. Yeah. I do know friends of mine who are indie filmmakers who had films that toured with various film festivals across the world. And eventually when Netflix came in India, they purchased the film to be shown for a couple of years on Netflix and they made their money back and that allowed them to, pursue another uh, film that they could start working on. And I'm not saying you know, Netflix and Amazon and all these platforms are the messiahs and they're going to save us because we're seeing what's happening with the SAG after strikes right now, with the Writers Guild strikes right now, uh, you know, of how much money, who's making and where the money is going. It's, it's all very unfair. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, uh, because as an independent filmmaker myself, you know, I always kind of want to know, like, what are some of the elements that you look for in a film, you know, mm -hmm. when it doesn't have, you know, the big budget, the big sets, the big lights, the big stars? You know, what are the things that you are looking for? What are the things that you've seen really make these type of films stand out? It has to be honest. It is now very apparent when somebody is making a dishonest film for whatever reasons. What is it that you're talking about? And do you have, even if you don't have the lived experience of what you're talking about, because at the end of the day, it's not a single person performance piece. This is not a one person play. You're doing, you're making a big film. So it doesn't have to be your lived experience. But are you talking about it with honesty and authenticity? Um, did you hire writers who's, who can talk to about the subject with honesty and um, you know authenticity um, that to me is the most important thing in a film it could be a 30 minute film it could be 45 or three hours long it could be the big Bollywood film that are that I watched last week which was so honest and authentic and it could be uh, Oppenheimer because that you know, obviously not an indie film, but it's it, you can tell that these are things that are eating Christopher Nolan from the inside. Like, how far are we going to push ourselves, technology, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And when I watch your movie, it's obviously the most authentic thing you could ever put out because it's it's a slice of your life that you're talking about, right? But having said that, watching Danny Pudi's film, Running, it's, you know, so real. And even though he's mixed it with magic realism and some sort of fantasy, the story is still so authentic and it's still so real. So, um, you know, for an indie film, 
already the monies are so low the filmmakers don't have big budgets they're working with very small groups and teams of people um they i don't think that an independent filmmaker would ever would want to risk making a dishonest film so in that way <laughs> you can't you <laughs> no it's i love i love that point because i mean there's been plenty of times where and i think any filmmaker could relate to this you might you might start on a project but you're never going to jump through the 20 billion hoops for no money uh, that yeah. you have to jump through you know at some point along the line you're probably going to trip up and realize oh god this is this is not worth it because <laughs> the only thing you have in abundance is truth right the your right. your experience of what you're telling with the story and how you're bringing your life into the story that is what you have in abundance it's never going to run out unless the money which will <laughs> yeah so honestly like, if if a film is dishonest like i can i can smell it and it just upsets me very much <laughs> well i will i will try very hard not to put that stank into, <laughs> into this movie um, well, <laughs> uh, so so for you so you've just uh you've moved to the u.s now and you're now going to be splitting time between the u.s yeah. and india is yeah. that correct Yes, it is. I am now between Mumbai and uh, the East Coast for now. I'm, you know, figuring out how things are going here. It's very exciting. It's very interesting to uh, attend regular film festivals here and uh, meet filmmakers and talk to people like you, and you know, try to see um, how people are interacting with Indian cinema as well, um, and how many. not just indian communities like people from pakistan are here bangladeshis are here and you know from from uh, south asia are here it's really fun i'm really excited i'm really looking forward to see where this goes what's the future going to look like for you for your channel are you going to keep sort of on the same trajectory are you going to be like how what is that going to look like or maybe you don't even know i don't know right now as of right now um i'm very happy with the way things are going right now with my channel people are growing uh, you know it's not a huge channel it's not it doesn't have the million subscribers but the number of people who are on i really value and appreciate and i like to do separate things for instagram i like to do separate things for youtube and now that i'm this side of the world what i i'm looking forward to the most is attending film festivals here that i've not been able to do ever because traveling back and forth from india is very expensive so i you know i went to can cuz it i could go to can from here but i'm also going to go to toronto film festival international film festival for the first time because i'm close to toronto right now and flights are extremely affordable from this side of the world as opposed to if i was flying from india and i'm going to i'm hoping to attend uh, sundance um, you know all these kinds of things now that i'm here this side of the world so i think that is the one big change that i'm going to make in my um kind of the way i watch movies i'm going to attend as many american and western film festivals as possible and european film festivals as possible let's see which which ones will take me because a lot of film festivals don't allow you in if you're not affiliated with a publication um unless you're you know writing for a publication that you can tell them that this is where your reviews my reviews will appear if you're an independent uh commentator like i am a lot of film festivals won't permit you so let's see how it goes well all i can say is that we are in America are lucky to have you here and your voice will be uh, an incredibly valuable addition to the uh, the pantheon of American film criticism um and i have no doubt that you will uh, get into these festivals or find the credentials to get into these festivals very soon um you know i i'm curious one of the you know on top of you being an amazing film critic you know one of the other reasons that i wanted to talk to you on the show is because at the end of the day you're 
an independent creator, you know, just like, and I know qualms about that word. You're an independent artist. Sorry. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying with creator, though. It's fine. No, 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 no. Let me take that back. Let me take that back. And I'm going to keep this all in because you're an, <laughs> in, because you're an independent artist uh, who has gone on this whole journey to get to the point that you're at now. I, I wasn't want to ask any independent artist, when you look back through the journey through this industry to where to getting to where you are today, what has your inner voice been telling you? <sighs> it. My, I have many inner voices, number one, <laughs> like 10 at any given point in time. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it changes depending on what the atmosphere of A, my immediate surrounding is and B, you know, political climate of the country and larger conversations that are going on in the country. But if there's one thing that I constantly tell myself is that reminding myself how much I love doing this, how much I love watching movies and talking about movies and writing about movies. And if I didn't do this, then there's nothing that will bring me equal amount of uh, creative satisfaction and joy. So you have to when it, when it feels like it's getting really tough, when it feels like you're not making enough money, there's not enough support within the industry, you're getting trolled too much, you're just living in anxiety all the time because it's not just a film review you have written for a publication. I'm running this like a business. I have to make money on this. I have to figure out new and novel ways every six months when various algorithms change of what is working now and what is not working now and how to stay true and authentic without giving into the demands of the social media platforms. And you will not find me dancing to a Bollywood song, but you will find me talking about a Bollywood song. But but are people interested in watching that or people are interested in watching more in the dance and no more power to the dancers. That's just not my craft. Um, so you, just reminding myself that if I don't do this, then there's nothing else that I will do that will make me happy. So for my own personal happiness and joy, even when things are dark and sad, uh, just, you know, you, you like doing this girl. Come on. This is what you do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Follow your bliss. And when you look back, what are you most grateful for? I am very grateful for the privilege that I was born into that I could pursue this line of career without thinking about what would happen if I don't succeed. I have a family to fall back upon. That is a privilege. My family will at least financially support me. A lot of people in India and the communities that we were talking about earlier that don't have voices uh, critiquing cinema from those communities is also because they don't have the luxury of becoming film critics. Film critic, becoming a film critic is a very luxurious job, let me tell you, at least where I come from. It's not something that you do that is going to guarantee you a paycheck or a salary. You do it when you're not worried about a paycheck or a salary. And that is a huge privilege that um, I come from, that other people come from. And I am grateful for it and thankful for it. And I'm also um, you know, I acknowledge it that I come from that place where I don't have to worry about uh, that I'll get evicted from my house if this doesn't work out. I won't be able to make rent. Um, I'm grateful for the people around me that have uh, supported me in this journey. My husband, my friends, um, you know, I'm grateful for people who've taken my names my name in rooms that have enabled me to get one opportunity after another, after another, um, for people who, for women who've given me that opportunity. Um, I, I can't 
just talk about all the things that I'm grateful for without acknowledging the immense privilege I come from to be able to have these things and these kind of this kind of education that I've had, the kind of international exposure that I've had, the fact that I had uh, a Wi-Fi connection growing up that enabled me to watch international cinema, to read international publications, to have enough money to or understanding to become a member of the British Council Library, to go to that library and be able to read, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of thing. So grateful for a lot, but a lot of it is has nothing to do with me. I was just born into it. And finally, last question. What advice would you give to any artist out there uh, trying to find their way through this career, through this profession, through this industry? Find your community. Find people who understand what you are going through and what you're doing. It will be so much easier to know that you're not in this together. A lot of creative journeys feel like solitary because they are solitary. You are making it on your own or not making it on your own. But if you have a community of people around you to share your experience with, to learn from their experiences, to share notes with, if nothing else, over a beer or dinner every couple of weeks, the difference that makes is huge. Knowing that there are others also dealing with similar or different problems. And that gives you strength. And I always tell this to anyone who comes to me for advice. You will find your platforms. You will find your voice even. You will find your mode of film criticism, whether it is writing, writing script for a review, uh, for a video review, or becoming a person who exclusively goes to film festivals and talks to filmmakers at film festivals. That will come. But you have to find your community first. You have to find people whose thoughts you resonate with. Make sure it's not an echo chamber. That's a thin line. But a community that you can engage with is so important. Beautiful. So, Charita, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people follow you and see your work and find out more about what you're doing? Most of my work is on my YouTube channel. It is under my name, Sucharita Tyagi. Uh, you can also find me posting snippets from my YouTube channel onto my Instagram page, which is uh, an outlet I use to bring more people to the YouTube channel. But I also talk about some things on Instagram. You can find me talking occasionally on Twitter as well, because Twitter sometimes gets a little bit much to interact with people on because people are just angry all the time. Uh, but <laughs> mostly you can find me on YouTube and Instagram. And if you're in America, you might run into me at a film festival soon. Let's hope. Amazing. Uh, thank you to everyone out there for listening. Uh, I'll have all those links down in the show notes. So if you want to go check out Sucharita's work, just go down and do that. Uh, be sure to follow us behind the slate pod uh, on Instagram and TikTok. You can email me all your questions, comments, your favorite Hindi film. I'd love to know it uh, behind the slate pod at gmail.com. Uh, and until next time, that is a wrap. जहां ये मस्ती नजर मिठाई देता कुछ नहीं सुझाई जहां ये मस्ती नजर मिठाई देता कुछ नहीं सुझाई